Hey everyone, Miguel here. As many of you know, August is my last month at Wharton Fintech. So I want to invite you to follow and subscribe to my next adventure, 21 Leaders, a weekly podcast where I will sit down with today's global leaders that will dominate the 21st century in fintech, business, and beyond. Join me and subscribe today in your favorite podcast app, 21 Leaders. and welcome to the Wartum Fintech Podcast. I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. In this great episode, I sit down with Patrick Burns, CEO and co-founder of Spruce, a prop tech powering online real estate transactions that's on a mission to build a one-click checkout experience for real estate online. Spruce has raised more than $50 million from top industry investors, including Bessemer Venture Partners, Scale Venture Partners, and Third Prime. Mr. Burns is based in New York City and holds an MA in Statistics from Yale and a BA in Physics from Oxford. In this episode, we discuss Patrick's journey from Scotland to the heart of fintech in New York City, digitization of the real estate market, and why shifting consumer expectations are driving innovation and a better customer experience, importance of thinking of company culture from day one, and how at Spruce, they've built a culture of decentralized autonomy, reflections and lessons for aspiring entrepreneurs, and just a lot more, including the ideal itinerary for your next visit to Scotland. And now just join me in a fascinating conversation with Patrick Burns. Well, Patrick, welcome to the Wharton FinTech Podcast. Uh, we are thrilled to have you here join us as a guest. How How's it going today, Patrick? Good, thanks. It's going well, um, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, no, no, su- super happy to to have you here. And, you know, I guess we we always love to to start just by hearing about our guests and, you know, maybe hear about your personal story a little bit. And judging by the accent, listeners will know that uh, you're you're not from from New York. You're not from the U.S. Uh, but you're 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 an international man. <laughs> so maybe you can tell us about that journey. Yeah, absolutely. So the the accent is Scottish. Um, I'm originally from Scotland, though I've been living in the states for the last ten years. Most recently, I am the co-founder and CEO of Spruce. Spruce builds digital infrastructure for enabling online real estate transactions. The entire real estate industry is at the beginnings of a fundamental evolution from an offline industry to an online one. And that's creating the ever-increasing needs really driven by companies that are taking a more digital approach to real estate for the products and services that enable real estate transactions to be more online supporting their businesses. The traditional version of these products and services is very well suited to, if you think about it, that local offline transaction that most people will be familiar with. And so Spruce was created to provide 
you know, these products and services, things like title insurance, things like closing services, escrow, but to do so in a way that meets the needs of these new online companies. So that looks like automation, scale, efficiency, and a very API-first approach. Now, Patrick, I think the audience will be curious to know as to how did you land on this idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where does the inspiration come from? Because not, not everyone is thinking about you know, making real estate better for the consumer every day. Everyone's not. Well, what else is everyone doing? No. Um, I'm sorry, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, look, I think one of the benefits of growing up in a small country, it's an easy way to naturally have a strong sense of curiosity, right? Your experience of the world is naturally beyond your horizons. And so I always grew up with a huge sense of curiosity and a huge love of learning, specifically learning how complex systems work. I was very fortunate to come to the States and land in a, in a graduate program for data science right at a time when that was, it's not a new field of study, but it, it was newly applicable to these business settings. And, and fundamentally, it's a training in how complex systems work and why they work the way they do. And I landed after that program, a company called Betterment, great New York fintech company. And from then on, I was able to exercise that sense of curiosity as it applies to the wonderful and complex world of antiquated financial services. The second way I got really lucky was this was the time when finally consumer demand and really you know, broad enterprise demand too in the real estate industry was finally creating the need for new real estate experiences. That means a few different things. It, you know, we've seen that in the traditional experiences of conventional mortgages or the home buying journey being digitized. We've seen the proliferation of entirely new business models i-buying, equity co-investment, these kind of things. And we've also seen the huge increase in institutional investment in residential real estate as an asset class. This was beginning, this was going on around us. And, you know, fortunately being quite plugged into the fintech ecosystem, we started to hear from these companies, you know, successes and challenges. And through some, some really fortunate, just specific personal circumstances, started to build an anecdotal data set for what was really a pattern emerging about the challenges of these online real estate companies. And this is fundamentally that when you're building a business, you have to rely on a lot, especially when you're building a business in financial services, you have to rely on a lot of infrastructure that's there. And it just so happens that the infrastructure in real estate is quite complex. It's quite varying across the country. And it has historically been very poorly suited to the needs that are being met today. And this is, you know, just the basics that we mentioned earlier, automation, efficiency, 
scale across geography, scale and size, good consumer experiences, you know, these kind of things. And so it was really understanding this need, seeing it happen around us and being fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time to, to, to be able to start addressing that need. And so you, you've touched on the consumer experience, right? And you also mm-hmm. mentioned that there are other areas of the consumer experience that have been digitized, other industries, right? Now, with an evolving real estate market, right, and also with just more, more modern consumer expectations, do you think that the expectation for the home buying experience has also shifted? What, what, what is the consumer looking for today? Yeah, I think it's shifting dramatically. And part of that is, you know, just changing expectations uh, because the world around us is, is evolving, is improving, is becoming more convenient. Uh, we have to have less patience than we used to have. But it's also important to point out that the consumer today is a fundamentally different one, right? That comes from different generations. That comes from different demographic trends, employment trends, these kinds of things. And remember, the traditional real estate transaction really puts people into a box. And that's how you underwrite a person for a mortgage or, you know, that that kind of thing. So... These changing demographics and changing consumer preferences are creating, yes, different tastes, but they're also creating huge segments of consumers that don't fall into that traditional box. And so this isn't really a case of people want to use, you know, an online form versus a paper form, although that's certainly true. This is recognizing that if you want to be a part of the economic growth of the real estate industry, you have to learn to cater for people that want alternate paths to financing a home or home ownership or don't look like the traditional people that, you know, the underwriting processes meet. And so the point I would make is it's a very fundamental shift aided by changing preferences, but with deeper-seated roots than that. So so tell us a bit about uh, just the type of culture, company culture that you're building at Spruce. And obviously, you're a technology company, huge focus on building the best possible technology. So I, I imagine, you know, you, you're also always fighting to get the best possible talent, right? Who's going to produce, help produce this technology. So tell us a bit about uh, just the people and the culture at Spruce. Great question. I think there's, there's a couple of things I would touch on. And the first is that, you know, the surface area of what we do is very large. There's a number of different products and processes that we have to take on in order to be successful. And that means we have to have a lot of decentralized autonomy within the company. And so what works really well for us, you know, I know every, every company is different, every culture is different, but what works really well for us is bringing on high integrity, high ambitious people and empowering them with autonomy 
empowering them with the mandate to be ambitious, to be confident, creating an environment where it's extremely okay to make mistakes and really trusting them to execute against our, our mission. I think the sort of defining characteristic of that is that autonomy that we try and give to team members that are working on this quite disparate set of problems that together make up our platform. Got it, got it. And at what point, I'm curious, I've asked this to other companies, at what point did you really start thinking about company culture? Was it day one or was it a little bit after that, that you know, that you realize, okay, we, this is something we need to take seriously? I think the answer is yes, yes and. So, so I think you have to start from day one because that's the easiest time to start. Uh, I think, you know, I think this is true of any culture in any company that, you know, the first 10 people that you hire are going to, you know, be intentional and the next 100 people that they hire are going to look like them in terms of culture, in terms of values, in terms of work preferences and so on. So I think it's fundamentally important to be thoughtful of that right from the beginning, but at the same time, recognize the parts of your culture that need to evolve over time with scale. And I think we've seen both of those dynamics at play at Spruce, you know, being intentional at the beginning, but being willing to continually reassess the culture that we're being deliberate to say, is this appropriate for the challenges and opportunities we have today? Got it. Got it. And, and tell us a bit about your clients. Uh, how have you built your, your client base? And also, what are some of the main partnerships that you've had to develop over time? We're so lucky in that we get to work with some of the coolest, most innovative companies in a very wide-ranging set of you know areas. Uh, we work with a lot of the top prop tech companies, a lot of the really, really massive financial institutions that are engaged in SFR investing, and a lot of really cool companies that might on the surface look more traditional, but are really intent on using technology to offer a better experience to their consumers. I love working with all of them. It's hearing the stories of these entrepreneurs and small business owners, institutional financiers that uh, just get me really excited in building products for them. I think you asked how, how we got started there. And, you know, we were very lucky, I suppose, in being very close to a number of great prop tech startups at a time when they were very underserved by what was there today. You know, so I'll give you an example. We were talking to a digital mortgage company in its relative infancy, and they were telling us about how their existing title insurance provider didn't have an API, which didn't allow them to automate simply giving a complete quote to their customers. And they'd been spending time reverse engineering an online quote form that they had, basically building a scraper that when you know a customer came to their website, they could hit this third party form with a scraper, scrape the answers, 
and sort of hack together a way to provide a real-time quote to their customer. The thing was brittle, it kept on breaking, obviously. One of the very first things that we built was an API simply to provide a price quote for the title insurance product that we offer. And we built the API, they agreed to try it out, they liked it, it solved the need, and it sort of gave us that, that trust uh, in, in handling their transactions in a way that was probably a bit of a leap for them, but because we just, a need they were not having met at that time, and then fortunately we were able to execute, we were able to um, subsequently earn that trust and it's still a great relationship that we have today. We have many stories like that where just in the beginning there were fundamentally unmet needs from the companies that came to us and said, hey, do you have an API for this? Hey, can you do that? And we were able to meet those needs and um, you know, fortunately build from there. And, and how do you see your role, Spruce's role, that is, in you know, the, the digital real estate uh, ecosystem? Because as you've said, you are working with multiple players within the industry. Yeah, look, we're an enabling infrastructure. We're the picks and shovels of the online real estate industry. You know, my, my dream is to make it really, really easy to offer real estate transactions, whether that be consumer purchase transactions, seamless fluid refinance transactions, fractional investments in real estate, and many use cases that you know we likely haven't seen on the market yet. We want to enable companies to offer these things to a segment of consumers that they want to serve and do so in a way that's easy, that's efficient, that's low cost, that allows them to scale. Real estate industry is the, is the largest industry in the country. I wanna see more YC batches come out with higher proportions of real estate companies built because Spruce can help them get started. Uh, I wanna see you know new consumer journeys powered by Spruce enabled companies. It's a very, uh, I would describe it as a background role, as an enabling role but one that I think if we continue to see this industry evolve, will be a meaningful role. And, and let's say that we're talking, I don't know, three years from now, or more than that, a few years from now. How would you say, you know, in a few years that you have, you know, achieved success? What is the goal for you, for the company in the coming, in the coming years? Again, I, I think of success in terms of the innovative experiences that we are enabling. There's some fundamentally quite broken things about the real estate industry. You know, even just take, for example, the fact that the standard experience of home buying involves us levering our largest investment four or five X to buy a single asset in, <laughs> in our home. That probably doesn't make sense for everyone, but it's the conventional way of doing things and it's supported by conventional apparatus and a lot of momentum and so on. I want to see that change. I want to see a more frictionless, more liquid relationship with a real estate asset, a home, and our ways of 
buying, selling, financing, investing in that home, unlocking entirely new use cases and really increasing the online real estate economy. For us, how do we execute on that? Well, we've already made good strides towards that goal. We are reducing friction in real estate transactions. On average, we're lowering times to close by about 20%. We're lowering closing costs by about 25%. And in some instances, with you know some of our most innovative partners, we're doing much, much more than that. So success for us is continuing to execute against these, the various components of what enabling a transaction looks like, bringing turn times down, bringing costs down, and increasing efficiency at scale. If we're able to do that, then you're going to see really exciting use cases be created by the companies that we work with. And just as a consumer that is particularly passionate about a fair and easy real estate industry, I get really excited about that. And, and are you thinking U.S. market or are you thinking global? It's a really interesting question, Miguel. We're very focused on the U.S. market today because there's so much to do here, frankly. There's so much to do. And also the U.S. market, I think, in this industry, as in many other industries, is absolutely the best place to be innovating. We have such a thriving prop tech ecosystem here that, you know, I think it's going to be the vanguard for a lot of models that then proliferate to other countries. I think what's interesting about an international approach in real estate is a lot of countries look fundamentally different from the US from a real estate perspective. You know, for example, we have a lot of South American economies that are pretty well developed nations but because of an underdeveloped legal system or different governmental structures, the real estate industry is itself a relatively small part of the economy. And these are instances where I believe open, trusted, private system has an opportunity to really proliferate the growth of the real estate industry and create a fairer real estate industry for those consumers. I see other companies, you know, in these countries doing great work there. And who knows, maybe that's something that we can, we can get to a little further down the line. Now, Patrick, you know that um, we've talked about this before. We have a few listeners who are founders themselves or who are just getting on the journey on the, on the, entrepreneurship journey, right? You, you've been going at it for a number of years. You, you mentioned YC, you know, we, we've had, we've had uh, the folks from YC on, on the show who have talked about founder lessons, but uh, I wanted to hear from you, you know, what, what are some of those reflections as a, as a founder that you would like to share with, with other entrepreneurs? My caveat to my answer is also one of the pieces of advice that I give to founders, and that is a lot of advice we give and are given is based on a relatively small sample size. 
in most instances. I think uh, I think your YC your YC founders that you spoke to probably have a larger sample size than most. But you know, I think a lot of founders are taking on many challenges for which they probably aren't experienced or qualified to take on in, the, in their business. And we'll get a lot of advice and we'll get a lot of opinions on how to take on those challenges. I think it's always important to collect advice, but to collect it with an understanding of the potential biases that it comes with, whether it's small sample size biases, whether it's survivorship biases, you know, a lot of these things will come with the advice that we're given. And so I really fundamentally think that, you know, founders should take that advice with those caveats and continue to execute on a path that, that feels true to them and feels true to their specific company. So that's definitely, that's definitely a thing that I think is, is important to keep in mind. Well, last question, Patrick, which is, uh, you know, if I was to visit Scotland tomorrow, where should I go? Imagine COVID, COVID is not an issue. Uh, what should I visit? Where should I go? Well, we're officially level zero today. Uh, so in many ways, COVID would, would not be an issue if you go. I would say fly into Glasgow, spend a couple of days in Glasgow and then drive up north. You know, Scotland is one of these countries that is, you know, it's a small country, but it has just immense countryside, mountains, islands, beaches. Um, and so you can fly into Glasgow, spend a few nights in Glasgow, and then go out into the, the nature of the highlands and the islands. Amazing, amazing. I'll have to do that someday and I'll, I'll report back. <laughs> good, very good. Well, let, let me know when you do. I will, yeah. Well, Patrick, thank you again for joining us. Uh, you're building something fascinating at Proust, congratulations on, on all your success. You know, I know you're past Series C, but I'm sure it feels just like the, the beginning. So thank you again for stopping by. Yeah, it is the beginning. You know, it's the beginning of this evolution in the real estate industry, and it's the beginning of our journey in it. So thanks so much for having me. If anyone wants to get in touch, I'm on LinkedIn or, you know, you can hit a, a request form through the website spruce.co. And thanks so much for having me, Miguel. Thanks out of the Wartum Fintech Podcast. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a review or letting us know in the comments. It means a lot and helps spread the word to more listeners. If you want more content from our Fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and the rest of social media at Wharton Fintech. You will find interviews, articles, videos, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. We also want to extend a special thank you to our show editor, Rafael Ostria. Signing off, I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. 